We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. If you didn't catch that, don't worry. I'm verified. So just look for the guy with the blue check. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right, we're back at it with another midweek guest as the Seahawks prepare for their Week 12 matchup on Monday Night Football against the Philadelphia Eagles. To help us break it all down, we have from the Athletic Philadelphia, Bo Wolf. Bo, what up, man? How's it going? Doing all right. What's going on with you guys? Uh, you know, we're doing all right. You all right, Chris? Hanging in there, man. Yeah, we hanging could. in there. Yeah, we 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 doing all right. Uh, we we start every show when we have a guest uh, gaining insight into you know the opposing team's social justice initiatives because we'd be remiss if we just ignored that whole part of 2020 that basically consumed yeah, all of our lives. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, I remember in like I think it was like September, uh, the Eagles put out you know a really powerful video with a bunch of players uh, giving strong messages, black and white players, and part of it was a call to action, like we plan to use our platform and use our power to enact change just kind of in what ways have you seen the eagles uh do that yeah it's always hard um to to you know get a sense of what they are doing beyond what they're saying especially in a year when we don't get to spend time in the locker room and you know you only get to ask like one question on a zoom so uh you know uh, you know i get to ask like jake elliott who's the kicker like what are you doing on the social justice committee but um it seems like they have done some stuff and, and you know the truth is this this eagles team this locker room has been one of the more um, you know social socially justice motivated uh, locker rooms dating back to you know Malcolm Jenkins' time with the team. Uh, you know they didn't go to the, the White House when they won the Super Bowl. Jenkins obviously spent a, a lot of time on criminal justice reform in Philadelphia. But um, I would say that uh, you know they did it. Rodney McLeod has sort of taken uh, a bigger mantle with with Malcolm Jenkins gone, and they had a big get out the vote movement. Uh, I think there were something like ten to fifteen guys who went around on election day. Uh, trying to uh, you know get people out to vote, um, but you know it's it's tough to say beyond um, that that messaging what they have done. Uh, they have their own social justice committee, which is comprised of about ten to fifteen guys, 
Um, McLeod takes the lead on that. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie is actually involved in that, the owner. Um, and then there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of other players. And, and you know, they, they talked a lot about in the summer, what are they going to do uh, for the anthem? And they decided they were all going to do something in solidarity. And that week one thing, that week one game, it was actually interesting. They had wanted, they went to the uh, the football team players and said they wanted to do something where everybody on the field took a knee before the opening kickoff. And Washington was like, nah, we're good. We're not going to do that. So uh, they instead, you know, a bunch of guys did that on their own on the sideline um, during the anthem. But uh, the one thing that, that might be a little bit different about the, the Eagles than most teams, I think, is, I mean, we're talking about an extremely low bar here. But uh, the Eagles owner, Jeffrey Lurie, um, has always been a little bit more committed to uh, to social justice than, than most owners in the NFL. Um, you know, they, they've done a lot of stuff in the community. I think he's one of, like, you know, two or three guys who are, uh, you know, uh, uh, giving money to Democratic candidates instead of Republican candidates throughout, uh, throughout the political campaign process. Um, and, and so he has had the back of guys like Malcolm Jenkins for a while. But again, we're, you know, we're talking about as, as low a bar as it gets for, for NFL owners, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that. The, the bar is very, very low, but it's definitely worth worth noting uh, for sure. I Actually, it's weird. I came across uh, that Malcolm, one of Malcolm Jenkins' locker room um, sessions. For, I don't know what year it's from. I'm sure you were there. It's the one where you guys are asking him questions, and he just keeps putting up the, the poster that says, you aren't mm-hmm. listening. Um, that was right after, uh, that was right when it was announced that they were not going to go to the White House uh, mm-hmm. to, to go to visit. Uh, Donald Trump's White House after they won the Super Bowl, so it was the spring of of 2018. Um, and yeah, you know, he did. You know, he said, "You aren't listening." Um, you know, this is not about Trump. This is about our message and uh, criminal justice reform. And you know, he had all you know all of these relevant, important statistics about uh, you know the inequity of of uh, criminal justice for black and brown people as opposed to white people. And and you know, I think he he would say that. That message probably still didn't get across as as much as he would like to, but it was it was sort of a powerful day in the locker room. And I, I know Malcolm isn't on the team anymore, but it like uh, you mentioned him earlier. It does sound like his his voice and his you know actions definitely had an impact uh, there. What impact do you think they had on on the franchise? I don't think there's any question about it. Um, and you know, it was it was it was really great to get to cover him for a few years because he sort of uh, you know laid waste to the notion that like you know in order to be a good football player you have to be single-minded and only care about football and that's your whole job um you know this guy i don't know how he you know i, I wrote about this once uh, he was our like our man of the year in philadelphia in, in 2018 but like how does he how does he have the time during the season you know to be you know a, uh, a loving father to two young kids and, and a husband and uh, you know, this guy plays like every snap of every game. They say he goes as hard as anybody in practice. And all the while, he's, you know, taking meetings with the, uh, you know, the Philadelphia DA during the week. He's doing ride-alongs with uh, police uh, and uh, meeting with other community organizers and doing all these different things. Um, so it's it's crazy. And it's and I do think that uh, his impact has, has really been felt in the locker room uh, for the guys who, who are still there. Now, that's not to downgrade a guy like Rodney McLeod and say that he, he wouldn't be involved in these things anyway. But uh, I don't think there's any question that, that Malcolm Jenkins, um, you know, legacy on that front is, is still being felt in the locker room. 
we're going to pivot here to someone who is still uh, on the team. Um, one of my favorite people to kind of talk about because there's no there's no middle ground with this guy here. It's very similar to, I think, uh, how Bucks fans felt about Jameis last year. It was just like we're either all in or we're all the way all the way out, and that's Carson Wentz, quarterback of the, the Eagles. This is my favorite question to ask. I don't know if I've asked you before, but let's we'll dive right into it. Bo, is Carson Wentz good? Oh, man. I mean – you asked me before the season, and I would have said absolutely. He's like, you know, the back end of a top 10 quarterback, uh, you know, maybe somewhere between like 8 and 12 and 13. Um, but, I mean, listen, ever since uh, ever since Jadavion Clowney uh, speared him in the helmet in that playoff game last year, he's been terrible. <laughs> he's been probably the worst quarterback in the league this year, worst or second worst, if you're just looking at guys who have, you know, started, you know, the majority of their team's games. He's been really, really bad. Uh, he turns the ball over more than anybody else. You know, he's got more negative plays than anybody else. He's missing guys. Uh, he does not look comfortable in the pocket. Now, you know, there are a million excuses you can make. Like the offensive line, they've played 10 games this season, and it's been nine different starting offensive lines in those 10 games. They've been missing a bunch of dudes. Uh, their roster construction has been really bad. Uh, they've sort of not given him enough weapons for the past two or three seasons. The offensive scheme is pretty uh, vanilla and uninspiring, but all those things aside, he has been really bad. And uh, it is the question that the Eagles have to answer. Now he has this, this huge contract and there's really no getting out of it until the end of the 2021 season. So, I mean, they're wedded to him for at least another year. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the starter that whole time, but uh, you know, it's I've never seen anything like it where a guy has been really good and just, you know, uh, gone back so much, regressed so much. It's it's crazy. And I don't know how to explain it. And I don't know if if you can expect that he's ever going to be back to the guy that he was before. You know, I'm sure all you guys in Philly are talking about, you know, what you just alluded to, how he fell from a guy who was probably going to win MVP in 2017 to being the worst starting quarterback uh, in the league uh, this year. I know Shil Kapadia, shout out to Shil, did a great deep dive into just what the hell happened uh, to Carson. And what what is your theory on how he did fall from that, that height that he was on in 2017? So, I mean, I don't have a great theory, but, but my sense is that it is sort of a combination of all those factors. I mean... After 2017, they did not really give him any help weapons-wise. You know, the guys they brought in were an old Deshaun Jackson who got hurt after one game. Uh, You know, they brought in Mike Wallace who got hurt after one game the year before. The wide receiver situation has been really bad ever since the Super Bowl. Uh, You know, they drafted Jalen Rager in the first round this year, and and he's been fine. And they sort of got extremely lucky with with Travis Fulgham, but uh, they didn't invest enough resources at, at that position. Uh, the offensive line has been bad this year, and I think that you know, that has sort of made him uh, not as comfortable in the pocket as, as he used to be. And, you know, there's other stuff that I just, you know, I don't know. Like, do, is it is it mentally sending a bad message to your quarterback when you draft another quarterback in the second round? You know, this is a guy who has dealt with his entire Eagles career. You know, his backup comes in and wins the Super Bowl. His backup comes in the, a year later and leads the team to a playoff win. Um, he's dealt with all these injuries. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if his if he, if his body is broken from all these injuries, if he is mentally exhausted from having gone through all this stuff. But uh, it's it's a question that that I don't know has an answer, and I don't know what the Eagles' answer is going to be moving forward. Speaking of backup quarterbacks, you guys have a Jim, I think, sitting on the bench, and Peterson has made it clear that 
he thinks you're sending the wrong message to your football team that the season is over. From that standpoint, I'm guessing Jalen's not going to get to play at all this season, no matter how bad it may get. Well, I don't know about that because I think I think uh, you know football guys. The one thing they say is like uh, you you have to be publicly a hundred percent behind your quarterback until you're not. And I don't agree with Peterson that you're sending the wrong message if you go to Jalen Hurts at this point. Um, and and I don't know why we have to treat these guys with kid gloves like. Carson Wentz is an adult. Mm. He knows he's doing a bad job. <laughs> he should, you know, it, what what kind of message are you sending to the rest of the locker room if, if this guy's allowed to be so bad, one of the worst players at his position in the league, and he doesn't get replaced? And I don't think that means that once you go to Jalen Hurts, if Jalen Hurts isn't great, you can't go back to Carson Wentz. I think that's fine. Um, and it's also important, you know, this, this Eagles team, you know, obviously is very bad. And if they don't win the NFC East, which I don't think they're going to, then they're going to have a you know a top ten pick, and they owe it to themselves to try to find out what they have in Jalen Hurts because they need to know if they need to be looking at quarterbacks in the draft. Um, so I think if, if things go bad over the next month or so, which you know their next four game stretch is Seahawks, Saints, Packers, Cardinals. Oof. So you're, you're probably looking at three ten and one uh, four games from now. I think if it gets to that point and they are no longer in the race in the NFC East, which, you know, even if 3-10-1, they still might be, I think you'll have to see Jalen Hurts because they need to know what they have in the guy. Wow, that is unfortunate. And you already hinted at it. It's clear the Eagles should win the NFC East, and you're saying you don't even see that happening. What has been one, I mean, you just mentioned their four, the next four weeks. I guess that's a that plays a big part in it. I guess I don't, even need, I don't even need to ask that question. You just gave us those four games, and that just sets it apart right there. I'll move on. What is up with this Eagles team? Is it injuries? Is it the fact that Carson Wentz is pretty much stinking up the joint? What would you say is the focal point for why this season is going the way it is going? Because I read a piece that you put out way back in, I want to say, September, and you said they'd probably – I think you mentioned that they'll get under 10 wins or over 10 wins, I think it was, excuse me, and they have not achieved that goal. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. 
That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oh yeah. I mean, they've, they've been, they've been bad in every way. Um, it's the players, it's the coaching and it's the roster construction. Um, and if, you know, if you're asking me to put it on one thing, I would probably say it's on the roster construction. I mean, this is a, a team that is one of the oldest in the league and one of the most expensive. Mm. So they're old, expensive and, and mediocre or sub mediocre. Um, so, uh, I think that's probably number one, but but that doesn't you know leave Carson Wentz or the rest of the offense or this defense that you know can't defend misdirection to save its life uh, or the coaching staff off the hook. Uh, you know all those guys um, are complicit. You know the, the offense, uh, like um, in terms of ingenuity and like being interesting, has backslid for the past three seasons. Right now they're just like sending guys out in isolation routes, nothing complements each other. There's no, you know, structure to the offense. Guys aren't like running wide open. So it's not necessarily like Carson Wentz is, is missing wide open guys, but you know, he's also still been bad. Um, so what, what is the number one reason? It's hard to say. Uh, but all I know is they are in bad shape. You know, the cap is going to be, uh, right up against it next year. They are, they are in bad shape now and, and moving forward. What's going on with my guy, Deshaun Jackson, the speedster in the league, he can't stay healthy. Is is it just injuries with this guy? I mean, the last time he played was week seven against the Giants, and only had five targets, three catches for 34 yards, and that's the last time we've seen him. Yeah, I mean, his body's broken down, and that's another roster construction thing. Like, I mean, as a player, Deshaun is awesome. I think he's the best deep threat of this generation, um, and he's it was worth taking a shot on, but he's played, like, two total – complete games over mm. the past two seasons week one last year against washington he was awesome he had two long touchdown catches like over 150 yards and that was it that was all they got last year and this year he played all of week one again got hurt week two came back got hurt again um and you know this is a 32 33 year old guy whose whose game is built on game breaking speed and if he loses just a little bit of that you know he's he's, he's no longer the same player and, and his body uh you know it's, it, this is a tough game, right? His, his body, I think, is just breaking down. Yeah, he's about to be 34. His birthday is December 1st. <laughs> wow. There you go. Uh, I want to get into the receivers. Still could uh, just dust us on a race, though. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, on one leg, he'd probably be yeah, all I'm, of us on, yeah, the, I'm, I'm not, not, on his hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, want, I want to get into the receivers a little bit here because I went through – I mean, I, I kind of knew, like, who the leading receivers were on the Eagles this year, but I was like, you know what, for fun, let, let's check. Let's let's go look. I was like, who? I got, like, three names in. I was like, who the hell is Carson Wentz um, throwing to? But, Bo, I have a theory here. I think there's something that happened in, in the state of Pennsylvania. There's, like, some – uh, unwritten agreement that only one team is allowed to have good receivers, right? Can't be the Steelers and the Eagles. Only mm-hmm. one, and the Steelers That's have not good what? For the Eagles, because it's always the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers the, are, you know they get receivers better than anybody. Yeah, the Steelers have what like four dudes right now who are legit yeah. nasty, and so I mean I think maybe maybe that maybe you can let P- Doug Peterson know like it's not just the the front office's fault. Like they're legitimately cursed by some Pennsylvania rule that only one team in the in the NFL in that state can have receivers. That might be right. Um, so their receivers, you know, they've got this guy, Travis Fulgham, who uh, was a six-round pick of the Lions last year, didn't have any catches, you know, was only active for a couple games. The Lions cut him uh, before training camp even started. Then he goes to Green Bay for a week. They cut him. Then the Eagles sign him, and he's on the practice squad for the first couple of weeks. He comes up 
scores the game-winning touchdown in week three against the 49ers. And then the, the four games after that, weeks four through uh, seven, I guess, he was the leading receiver in the NFL. So a four-game <laughs> stretch where he was the best receiver in the NFL. And since then, uh, the last two games, he has been uh, sort of not targeted a ton. And, and it's been, I think, two total catches. Um, I believe in Travis Wilkham. I think he's, you know, I think he is their best receiver. He's sort of a big-bodied, uh, not huge, like 6'2", uh, possession guy, but, he, but he's got some deep speed, too. Uh, Jalen Rager is the guy they took in the first round, and I think Eagles fans will uh, remind you that they took him over Justin Jefferson. So uh, that is recreating some, not quite to the same extent, but a little bit of the same lament that they had uh, when taking J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. That has not worked out very well. Met, uh, Ortega-Whiteside was a healthy scratch last week, so... Uh, Metcalf is like the best dude in the NFL, and the Eagles took a guy before him who's probably going to get cut this offseason. So uh, that tells you how uh, the roster construction is going at wide receiver. The Eagles have struggled to uh, identify and and scout wide receivers well, and it is a real, real problem. See, so that's what that's what made me think of the curse thing today, or the some like handshake with the devil that Mike Tomlin made over there, because it's the pain. It's the pain of taking JJ. What was that? <laughs> seven picks before DK. And then taking Jalen, how many how many picks was Jalen before uh, Justin Jefferson? One pick before. Oh my God! One. <laughs> and, but pick. I mean, Jefferson was a like consensus higher rated guy. So the Eagles went out on a limb to take Rager first. It's not like it was DK and you were talking yourself into you know the the injury question: is his neck going to be okay? This is like the Eagles, you know, with hubris, were like we think we know better than than league think. We're taking Rager over. Uh, over Jefferson, and that's not to say that that Rager can't be a good player. He's been he's been fine. Uh, I think he'll be a good player, certainly better than Ortega Whiteside. But uh, you know, it, it's not like the Eagles had earned the uh, equity to think that they identify receivers better than anybody else. Why weren't the Eagles more active at the deadline, uh, going after you know like Fuller seemed like to be on the market in like Houston, for example? Why do you think they have they weren't more active in trying to help Carson out? Well, I mean, they shouldn't really be in the business of forfeiting future assets for you know this team that's that's so bad. I would say um, maybe it, it you know it's it's a it's a question that they could have addressed in the offseason too. Like we were kicking and screaming that they didn't add a veteran receiver before the draft to give them a little bit of flexibility during the draft. You know, a guy like you know Brashad Perryman, or you know they turned down opportunities to trade for DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs. So again. Uh, working out very well oh for my the god. Eagles on the receiver front. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even know that. Hey. I think you know that's like that's what Car like Carson Wentz is probably broken mentally because he's like he's here in the we're not going to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> but in, you know instead the only offensive thing you're going to do is is draft my backup in the second round. What am I doing? Yeah. Wow. That. Oh man. That is. That is. Is the uh, with all that in mind, is the front office under some fire over there? My goodness. It is. Everybody's under fire. Um, you know, I think it's possible. And and you talk about a deal with the devil. Like, maybe that's the deal. Maybe it's Howie Roseman, you know, had, had a sit down with the devil and he said, I want to be the, the guy who delivers the Eagles their first Super Bowl in history. Uh, and the devil's thinking, okay, but every move you make after that's going to go wrong. Joke's <laughs> on you. So we'll see what happens. Uh, he's under fire. Doug Peterson's under fire. I don't think anything's off the table this offseason, except for probably Carson Wentz going anywhere just because of his contract. You know, one one move I did like, Chris, I don't know if you were a fan as well, is the acquisition of Darius Slay. I did, I did like that. Um, how, how's, uh, how's Slay looked uh, in 2020? 
So Slay's been good. Um, and I was actually a little bit skeptical of the Slay move, not because of Slay himself, but because it's sort of they, they were approaching it like this guy's going to fix our secondary. And, you know, you give up a third and a fifth and a new contract to a guy who's, you know, 29 years old right now. And he's been better than I expected. He's been really, really good. But the problem is he hasn't solved the secondary at all. They're worse as a secondary. <laughs> uh, you know, he's taken, a, he's taken away the, uh, the opposing number one receiver and uh, opposing quarterbacks and offensive coordinators are like, fine, we'll throw to the other guys because your other guys stink. So, like, Avante Maddox, who should be a nickel or a free safety, is playing as a starting outside cornerback. And he's been dusted most of the year. Uh, you know, they, the Eagles were like bragging to everybody that they got this uh, steal in Nikel Roby Coleman as, as their nickel. He's been bad. Uh, they lost Malcolm Jenkins, replaced him with Jalen Mills, who, you know, was their former starting cornerback. He's been bad. Rodney McLeod's been pretty good. But, you know, the secondary as a whole has not been good. And, you know, Darius Slay didn't fix it all. So uh, I, I question the, the resources, but Slay himself has been pretty good. So at six feet and 190 pounds, will he see a lot of DK Metcalf, who is 6'4", 220? Do you see that matchup happening? I think he will probably follow Lockett? DK Metcalf oh, across okay. the field. Yeah, wow. I think so. Wow. Okay. Well, this is going to be exciting. He's going to get to go up against this second-year guy who has been pretty much dominating this season outside of a few games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. How is how do you feel the offense will attack the Seahawks defense, given that the Seahawks are trying to I think they might have found where they're going with things defensively. Carlos Dunlap seems to have found his groove. Jamal Adams. They're starting to get a groove. How do you think the Eagles will attempt to attack this defense? Well, uh, probably not very well. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, there's just, there's just not a lot of creativity on the offense right now. Um, I think what they will try to do is play 12 personnel and have Dallas Goddard. And I think Zach Ertz, there's a good chance he comes back for this game. Um, and so they'll probably lean on their 12 personnel. It'll be those two guys with uh, Travis Fulgham and, and Jalen Rager on the outside for most of the game. Um, but, you know, they've taken more shots deep this year than they have in years past, but it hasn't been super effective. They're completing fewer of those passes than almost anybody in the league. Um, so I think you're going to see, you know, passes over the middle uh, in tight coverage, like eight yards down the field. That's pretty much been the bog offense that, that the Eagles have had for a while. Um, you know, in there, when things are going well, they're using those tight ends to stretch the field vertically. 
uh, Fulgham is can can beat guys one on one, and they're using Miles Sanders as a receiver out of the backfield. That has been like absent from the offense for the past few few weeks. So uh, I, I just I think Eagles fans would tell you they would have uh, very little confidence of the Eagles doing anything creative against you know the league's worst defense, let alone uh, a defense that seems to be improving like like the Seahawks. Chris, I tried to have faith with the Darius Slay question. See, I was like, oh, they got a good player. Let me just talk about him. And it's just like, nah, he didn't fix nothing. Yeah, like, even the good players. <laughs> Aren't, aren't making a difference. And that's why I wanted to spin it back to the offense in hopes that there's like, ah, you know, Chris, they can get this going, but... No, no. Well, you it's, tell me, like, where are, this, what's, what, where are the holes in the Seahawks defense? Uh, you know what? It seems like Shaquille is coming back. Maybe Trey Flowers, but if you don't have any faith in the wide receiving core, I, I don't know, man. That that might be it. Well, yeah, I mean, Trey, <laughs> Trey funny, can... I remember last year, it was like, oh, they're going to throw at Trey Flowers, and then he had, like, the best game of his career. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just it doesn't it doesn't work if the whole offense is not is is not clicking. Yeah. Uh, you know, but one thing I I, I wish I could have asked um, John this when we had the Cowboys uh, preview, um, but it still applies for the rest of the teams in the NFC East. I mean, it seems like every coach is understandably so like, hey, you know, we can still win a division, still win a division. I'm sure the Eagles are obviously shooting to win the division as well. But I mean, even if if an NFC East team gets in at six wins, right, and they host the Seahawks or the Bucks <laughs> or something. Like in in as the five C, like is it even really? Did did you accomplish anything? Do you think if this team gets in at six wins or seven wins? Uh, well, I mean they're not getting the seven wins. I'll tell you that. Like I think I think five ten and win wins the division if if they get there. Uh, and otherwise, it might it might be five wins for whoever wins the division. But I was I mean for the Eagles, that's that should not be an accomplishment. You know they should be embarrassed about that. Uh, they're the one team in this division who has, uh, you know, a an established starting quarterback and, you know, a head coach with pedigree, a, a team that uh, has been together this core for a while. So, you know, they should not be proud. I think if the if the Cowboys, you know, rally with a backup quarterback, you know, that's something they can be proud about. Certainly a team like, like Washington or the Giants that has been so terrible the past couple of years, it's something that they can feel good about, you know, finding a way to get into the playoffs and then getting dusted in the first round. That's great. But uh, for the Eagles, I think it would be, you know, almost more embarrassing to, you know, go five, 10 and one, you drop in uh, draft order from like 10th to 21st. And then you get, you know, you lose by 30 points in the playoffs. That's not, that's, <laughs> that's not good for anybody. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause like all off season, I was like previewing the whole season. Really. I was kind of looking like, okay, the team with pandemic, you cut the off season short. That means the teams with the, uh, the same quarterback, the same play caller, same coach, are probably you know have to have a leg up. And I was like, oh, the NFC East—that's only right. Philly. Philly's the only team with some type of continuity. And it's just like, oh no, no, that didn't help. That didn't. And help. the craziest thing is, like week three, Doug Peterson's making excuses like we didn't have a full off season, dude. No one had a full off season. <laughs> you should be in position to take advantage of that. So, yeah, oh. it's it's been that kind of year. Well, let's get you out on. Perhaps a positive note with an over and under. Have a little fun here. I'm going to go with Car- – actually, I'll go DK Metcalf. How many yards? I think we'll say over or under. 800. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't. Okay. DK Metcalf receiving yards against the Eagles defense. Over or under at 115.5. Are you taking the over or under? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to take the under, um, under the under the pretense that Slay will do a pretty good job. But the flip side is that, like, there's no line you could give me for Tyler Lockett that I'm going to go under on. Like, 
he might he might be the one to to, to top two hundred. Yeah, the uh the the Arizona game, the first Arizona game oh, was man. so instructive in that way. It was like, yeah, we'll just shut down DK, and Tyler's like, well, hold on, hold my beer. <laughs> let me just let let me let me do this. I'm gonna, you know I'm gonna go with a fun um fun a uh, Carson Wentz themed uh over and under here. How many uh, over under turnovers for Carson Wentz? Oh, let's go with that? let's go with uh, total so fumbles and interceptions. Let's go with one and a half. No, I'll go two and a half. What? Two. Mm, I, yeah, no, I was gonna say one and a half is, is the line. Okay, uh, you want to go one and a half? So we can go one and a half. I think one and a half is good. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'll I'll take the under. I'll take the under because it's it's you know it's a little bit less embarrassing. But uh, it's bad. I mean, he's got the you know the highest percentage of negative plays in the league. He's got the most turnovers in the league. It's pretty ugly. So you know, maybe he's so bad in the first half that they they put in Jalen Hurts and he has to be under that way. Yeah, you know what? Actually, we'll get shot real quick before we do the prediction. Uh, Bo, I was actually thinking that um, looking at like the the prime time aspect of this game, like it's Monday night. Um, it dep- Maybe if the all the other teams in the um, NFC East lose, like. It becomes obviously a bigger game on Monday. They'll know well, the results. Well, two of them play each other on Thanksgiving, so that's like the the idea. Doug Peterson has been saying like for the past four weeks we're still in first place. Well, now it's guaranteed come Sunday that they will not or come Monday that they will not be in first place anymore. So uh, thankfully we can be over with that part. Do you think if a, a really bad like a stinker from Carson, like ultimate stinker, puts just pressure on you know Doug to maybe look at Jalen a little bit, like hey man, it might be your time. We just got embarrassed on Monday night. I think so, and that, you know the question that we can't really answer is: uh, Does Doug Peterson have the autonomy to make that decision himself? Mm, um, because it's such a franchise-shifting thing. You know, does he need Jeffrey Lurie or Howie Roseman to be the one to you know ultimately sign off on that? Because it changes you know the structure of the entire organization. Now, I think that that probably overstates things. Like you know, at any other position, if a guy is terrible and you bench him, he can still come back the next week. Uh, maybe it's not like that a quarterback, but the way that I've thought about it and, and said it is, you know, you drafted this guy in the second round as an insurance policy, not because you thought Carson Wentz was going to be terrible, but uh, this is a guy who's gotten hurt before. You know the value of the backup quarterback position, so you value that highly. Well, you know, lots of crazy things can happen, and this happened. You have this insurance policy, and if you don't think that Jalen Hurts is good enough to be better than what Wentz has been giving you, then he wasn't worth a second-round pick. So, uh, like, I think eventually, if Wentz keeps playing like this, they have to make the move. Yeah, I mean, let Brian Flores take the wheel. Like, he'll bench Tua, then bring Fitz, and bench Fitz, and bring Tua, you know? Like, hey. Tua's not crying, like... No, yeah, I mean, I think... Was Ryan Fitzpatrick crying? Like, you know, it's fine. These are grown men. Yeah, no, that's true. That's said, they yeah. got, I, he's got the beard to prove it down there. Fitz does. <laughs> All right, boys, we get you out of here on a prediction. I think the Seahawks, Chris showed me the Seahawks are favored by five. Was that, Chris? Yeah, yes. minus five. I could not believe it was just five points. <laughs> <laughs> it might change. It's only it's Tuesday. It'll definitely it'll shift. I might throw some money. Actually, no, I can't. Never mind. I never said that. Um. All right, Bo, what, what you got? Give us give us a winner and a score. I will take the Seahawks 34-17. 34-17. A blow Biggest up. Seahawks win this season for them. All right. Uh, Yeah. No, that would be a 17-point win on Monday night. That would that would do a lot. Uh, Thank you, Bo, so much for joining us on the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast. You guys, please go check out Bo's work, man. Between between Bo and, and, and Shield, man, I, I love reading about the Eagles, even if I don't give a damn. Mostly I just read about Carson Wentz because it's just <laughs> a train wreck. Um, But – 
Yeah, it, Bo Bo does uh does great work. Has done some of my most my favorite like creative stories. Uh, I think we shouted out Bo last time when he uh was outside the uh, Ram Stadium while the game was going on. Oh, you, yeah, yeah. You were on the concourse, right? Like at, uh, checking out all the jerseys or something like that. That's right. That's yeah, right, yeah. And, and then I had ax- a terrible press box. I couldn't I couldn't handle it, so I, I I did something else instead. Yeah, see, I love I love stuff like that. Yeah, the the quarterback kind of quiz with Josh McCown that Russell Wilson turned down when I pitched the same idea to him. I'm not bitter. Well, you did the, you did a story that I've been like trying to do uh, for a while. You, you 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 pulled it together watching you know watching a game with a former uh, former player that was. Awesome. Yeah, no, you know what you should do is you should watch the game with Carson Wentz's agent. <laughs> and just watch how much, how many shots of whiskey he pours every sack. Yeah, how many things he's breaking. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, that's Bo Wolf, man. Covers covers the Eagles, man. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. We'll catch you guys after the Monday Nighter. We're out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.